let people know that, hey, you struggle with things that I struggle with, that other people struggle with, and we're not going to commiserate necessarily and take comfort that we're all struggling together, although there's an element of that, but we can stir one another to love and to good work. Hello and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Timothy Guess, in for Byron Tyler today. Our guest is Louis Sacron. He's the pastor of Ripley Primitive Baptist Church and a certified biblical counselor. We had Lewis on recently when we talked about the pastor, the church, and biblical counseling. And today we wanted to have Lewis back on again. Lewis, you did so well the first time. We, we decided to give you a second try at it. Well, I appreciate that. I enjoyed being with you last time and uh, appreciate the invite back. Well, Lewis, before we get into the uh, the topic of discipleship, which is I'm really looking forward to us discussing I want you to tell our listening audience where you are and what you're doing. Because you're not in your church office right now. You're not in your pastoral study with books laid out and hard at work. Tell us, just go ahead and admit what you're doing. (laughs) No, I'm not, Tim. I am sitting in a hotel room in Kansas City. For my birthday, my wife put together a barbecue road trip for me. I am a big barbecue fan. I love to cook it. I love to eat it. And my wife put together the perfect birthday present for me. She sacrificed. She's at home with the kids by herself right now. My brother-in-law, Joseph, and my good friend Brad have come along, and they are taking me to sample the hot spots of barbecue in St. Louis and in Kansas City. So (laughs) that's what I'm doing. I'm glad that you're getting a break and enjoying that, and that was an amazing gift from your wife, Abby. Man, I just hope you don't strain some stomach muscles or something during this time. (laughs) Well, I've already learned I've got to slow down. We hit three places yesterday, and it was just far too many. By the time we got to the last one, I had to give about half of mine away. So my buddy Brad's trying to disciple me on the art of eating barbecue, and uh, I just hope I can learn the lesson. (laughs) Well, moving from Kansas City barbecue, that's almost wrong to say on a Memphis radio station, Kansas City barbecue. We'll forgive you for that, Lewis. We do want to move on now from barbecue to the subject of discipleship. So, Lewis, let's just say I'm... Joe Christian, okay, and I uh, I love the Lord. Uh, he has saved me. He has revealed himself to me, forgiven me of my sins. I go to church once a week on Sunday mornings. I hear the pastor's sermon, sing the songs. I might greet a few fellow members, and then I'm out the door pretty quickly, and I don't see everybody again until the next week, but I'm just kind of living my life because that's what Christianity is. You, you go to church once a week, hear a sermon, and then kind of get on with your life. What's wrong with that picture, Lewis? Well, so what's wrong with that picture is that while salvation is a, um, it's an individual experience, it's a personal experience from the standpoint that the Lord works in each of our hearts at a different time and it doesn't happen in a group setting, the, the, the reality is after we are regenerate, after we come to know Him and love Him, then He places us in His body. His design is that we would be part of a local church and that we would be able to serve there, that we would be able to grow there, and that our character would be transformed not just by the preaching of the Word and not just by individual isolated effort, but as we fellowship with one another. Um, I I think about Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says that we've all been given the grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so what that means is that every body and every church body, each individual member has been given a gift that originates 
from Jesus Christ that is meant to build up the body there, the congregation there. And it's a gift that's been given by grace. And so edification, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, as you keep reading in Ephesians chapter 4 and you see what God's goal for the church is, it becomes very clear that God intends and expects that we're going to be speaking the truth to one another in love so that we might all come to full maturity in Christ. And so that is not a solo activity. That's something that happens as we interact with one another and as the individual gifts that the Lord has given to the church, the church that you belong to, as those things are exercised to build you up and as you exercise your gifts to build others up. Lewis, that just sounds so daunting to many, and understandably so. You know, somebody who says, Look, I just, you know, the pastor, the words just kind of flow out of his mouth so smoothly. I just have a harder time. Maybe I'm quieter. Maybe I'm more introverted. Maybe I recognize I haven't grown like I should have grown, so I just need to worry about me. I just need to focus on me. I just need to hear the sermon, but I don't have anything worthwhile to give to anybody else in this body. How would you respond to that? I can understand how there's been a lot of things said about discipleship. Right now, it's it's kind of a popular topic, and so a lot of things are written. And it can be very intimidating to just, number one, try to just define what it means in a practical way, and then, number two, think about how you might be able to, to implement that. And so... I would just say from a very general standpoint, when we think about the call to disciple, I think it really is simply wrapped up in Christ's command that we would love one another. And then whenever you try to, again, simply put, what would it mean for me to meaningfully love my brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm stealing this from Ed Welch, who's an author and biblical counselor. He says that really it's just answering two questions as you're thinking about someone else. Question number one is, we want to find out, how are you doing? How are you doing in a meaningful way? And then number two, how can I pray for you? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? And another man, another pastor named Paul couches to that, what can I do to help you take one step in the right direction? How can I help you take one step in the right direction? So how are you? How can I pray for you? And how can I help you take one step in the right direction. What that helps me do, Tim, is it it helps take all of the uh, intimidation of thinking that when it comes to discipleship, the Lord wants me to help completely eradicate someone's problems or completely uh, walk them through to full maturity in whatever area of life they're in, and that's just not the case. The reality is the Lord wants to use me um, as, as a means in some way to help encourage uh, the growth of another believer, but he's certainly not expecting me to do the whole thing. All right, Lewis, so what I'm hearing you say, and those are, that's excellent, what I'm hearing you say is what I think Hebrews 10 is telling us, and, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So the the wrong picture I gave on purpose in the beginning of, okay, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sunday, hear the sermon, say hi to a few people, and then leave, and that's all of my interaction uh, for the week is a wrong picture because it's not in, in conformity with what Hebrews 10 is saying, right? That I'm, I must focus on my spiritual growth. That's, that's a given. But then I am called to actually be observant, 
to be caring, to be uh, seeking to be a means of spiritual edification for my fellow uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And while that may sound intimidating, the steps that you just gave us are not intimidating. Uh, they, they may be some to some degree, right? But we can ask those questions, can't we? We can say, well, how are you really doing? And then how can I pray for you? And another one I think that I heard from Ed Welch, it may be in the same book that you're referring from, is is what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? And then what's yeah. the worst thing that's happened to you this week? And that can can lead to deeper and fuller conversations between brothers in the church or sisters in the church that can really be a pathway to to going beyond just, well, who won the ball game yesterday and the weather the weather's nice this week. Yeah, that's exactly right. We come together at least on a weekly basis, and, and we have fellowship with one another. We, we see one another. But one of the things I think about fairly often is wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame if, if there was a young believer out there or maybe, maybe a believer who's been walking with the Lord for years and years uh, who has not had this sort of fellowship who thought that they were the only one who struggled when it came to uh, a number of issues, maybe consistently reading the Scriptures yeah. or maybe struggled when it came to having a satisfying prayer life or what they thought of as a meaningful prayer life in the sense that there must be something deficient about me because I struggle here. And then we could get into other issues as well. And so I think one of the real benefits to discipleship from the outset is not necessarily having all the answers to all the questions, but really kind of leveling the playing field so that the people that you're around are comfortable being vulnerable with you because you've been vulnerable with them as well. And you've acknowledged, hey, you know, I'm in Leviticus, and I've had a hard time not being bored as I've read as I read through this book, chapter by chapter. Now, it seems irreverent maybe to say that about the scriptures, and and I'm not saying that that uh, there's something deficient about the book of Leviticus. I'm saying there's something deficient about my attention span at times when I'm reading the book of Leviticus, and maybe there are some helps out there, uh, but just to kind of clear the clear the air and let let people know that hey, you struggle with things that I struggle with, that other people struggle with, and we're not going to commiserate necessarily and take comfort that we're all struggling together, although there's an element of that. But we can, like you just quoted from Hebrews 10, we can stir one another up to love and to good work. And so part of that, I think, is just leveling the playing field. So I like what you just said, Lewis, that the fact that this is not just, okay, I'm an expert and let me help you, but I never need, I never need help. The reality is, is that I want to pour into you, but I also know I need you. And one day I may be weak and at my wit's end and not sure how to think about a situation. I need to call you and say, give me some perspective. And then it may be the roles may change the very next week. So this is not just a group of of elite experts. Can we give this definition to discipleship? I'm sure it's not perfect, but and this is not original with me, but discipleship is following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus. Is that a fair assessment of it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what it is. And again, to get rid of some of the mystery and some of the intimidation, you brought up the expression to love one another. You and I have both, both pastors, we probably both preached uh, sermons on the one another's. Off the top of your head, put you on the spot. Give me two or three. Let's do two. Give me two one another's commands in the scriptures and just kind of walk us through what that might look like. Sure. So, so the two that immediately come to mind is help bear one another's burdens. And then number two, that we would encourage one another, exhort one another. So from the standpoint of 
helping bear one another's burdens. Um, you know, it may take a couple of conversations before someone was comfortable enough to communicate, to open up maybe about a particular burden that they had or that they have. Um, I had a conversation just last week with a, uh, uh, a young man who was just burdened over the fact that his spiritual life seemed to be, his spiritual walk seemed to be drying up, and he was not enjoying the fellowship with the Lord that he once was. And so we began to, to talk about some of the, uh, the details of that, some, some of what his, his daily schedule was. He's in college. He's, he's got lots of, uh, he's got a pretty rigorous uh, major and, and is, uh, uh, has a lot of time uh, constraints. And so, you know, we just sat and talked for a while about the very practical benefit of just trying to set a daily schedule and a daily routine. And if you're going to get up early, early enough to be able to spend time in God's Word, then that means you're going to have to set a bedtime early enough to allow you to get up. Now, as I'm saying all this, you know, our listeners may be thinking that doesn't sound like it's very deep and, and, and biblically complex, and that's because it's not. Um, the, the truth is, part of what we're doing in discipleship is we're sharing what we've learned from our own experience. And so, again, we're trying to facilitate growth. And one of the things, I think, when it comes to bearing one another's burdens from the realm of I'm struggling spiritually, um, I think anyone will, will attest to the fact that if we do not learn good time management habits, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to excel in, in really any other area uh, as far as that goes, as far as trying to juggle a busy schedule. So, you know, that would, that would coincide with other biblical principles like redeeming the time, um, uh, applying ourselves to wisdom and those kinds of things. But, but as we're having this conversation, I'm not trying to give a, a Scripture proof or a proof text uh, for everything I'm saying. Uh, he's sharing his burden with me. I realize what I'm saying is based on biblical principle, but I'm communicating it in a way that's a, you know, a natural conversation, and it's relevant to what he's asking. So there's a discipleship going on there. And, uh, and then whenever we get through our plan, we're going back to talk about um, some of the biblical principles that would shore that up. So secondly, encourage one another. Encourage one another. You know, I'm, right now I'm preaching through the, the book of Titus. I'm in Titus chapter 2, and, and I have been challenged and have just kind of been taken back by the fact that as Titus um, talks, or as Paul talks to Titus, about the different, what I'm going to call, discipleship plans for the older men, the older women, younger women, younger men. Encouragement is such a big part of that. Um, he tells the, the older women that they're to teach good things, and then they are to encourage the younger women to be, and then he lists off the, the character traits there. He gets to the young men, and he says, encourage them to be sober-minded. And it's just this this reality that uh, to encourage someone, to instill courage in them, to, um, to exhort them, to, as it were, cheer them on again and again and again and again in a particular area in their life. It's like, 
really blowing wind in their sails to help them as they seek to um, uh, to be what the Lord has called them to be. Stop right there. Stop right there, Lewis. I just I just love that blowing wind in their sails to encourage them to be what the Lord would have them to be. What a what a dynamite, beautiful relationship within the church that you have here. And this is across age boundaries and categories in Titus 2. So it's not just all the—and there's a place for young people getting together to encourage each other, but it's not just all the young people go off and group up, and it's all the old folks go and they do their thing, even though there's a place for that from time to time. But this is actually older men who are pouring into the lives of younger men, blowing wind in their sails, and the, and the older women with the younger women. I'm just—I'm excited by that. Yeah, yeah. I think it is a— uh... I think it really is countercultural to what we see as the norm now. Um, and, and I think that um, when you look at the Scripture, that that really is the pattern. And so we all have this uh, struggle, most of us have this struggle that no one wants to really hear what I have to say. I, I don't know about you, Tim, but even as a pastor, there are times where when I need to have a personal conversation or I feel like I need to encourage someone, I am tempted to believe that, well, they don't really care what I have to say. It's not going to be very meaningful for me to to, to say that. It's going to sound silly or, or whatever else. Uh, but the truth is, is that the Lord has uh, ordained that he would use the encouragement of his people to help and facilitate the growth um, throughout the body of Christ. And so one of the things I've, I've, I've told our uh, church recently um thinking about encouragement in Titus is that, you know, as a pastor, they will hear me preach hundreds of sermons if I live the normal life expectancy. They're going to, I mean, I I hate to say it, but it's true. They're going to forget most of what I say in those sermons, but they're going to have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone, whether it be the younger men uh, and the older men or, or, or however that plays out. They have the opportunity to have a conversation to encourage someone that may be a conversation that they remember for the rest of their life. Yeah. And I think we all have conversations like that that we could think about where someone took the time to encourage us, someone took the time to um, uh, uh, pull us aside and give us just the encouragement we needed at that time to sometimes even alter the course of our life. And so that's really what, it's, there's nothing magical about that. You don't have to be an expert to do that. Uh, you just have to uh, love and care for an individual enough to open your mouth and encourage them with what you see God doing in their life. Hey, Lewis, so talk to me, talk to us about this. Different people, different churches, um, maybe approach discipleship in a different way. Is there like a, a one-size-fits-all magical program that the Scripture gives us that's supposed to, to work? Or uh, comment on that. Are there, is there a variety that we see? Are, are, am I not really doing discipleship unless my church has some really elite and elaborate structured program? And I'm not necessarily criticizing schedule and organization, but comment on that for us. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the answer to is there a is there a one-size-fits-all discipleship plan? Um, I think the answer to that would, would be no. So, so there are some people who do really well at structuring discipleship programs, and, and it works for the church that they're a part of, but it might not work for, uh, for someone else's church. And so 
again, the goal of discipleship is to help someone as they seek to follow Jesus Christ. And so that's going to happen in some informal ways. That might happen by having a book study in your home where you go through a book of the Bible or maybe you go through some good biblical literature. That might happen as you're having a conversation with someone at the fellowship table at your, uh, at your church or, or, or maybe it's at your house with someone. That might happen in all kinds of different areas. So um, uh, whether it's really, really formal and really, really structured or whether it's sitting down and having a cup of coffee with somebody, uh, discipleship is, it can really be a one-size-fits-all whenever it comes to structure and, and the way you model that. I think the most important aspect of discipleship is not necessarily the structure, but the, the mindset or attitude that I'm going to be intentional about um, filling my role, using my gift. Again, God has not called me to take uh, a, a young believer all the way from where they are to full maturity, God has just called me to blow wind into their sails, right, to encourage them and to uh, care about them, to love them, and, and, and see how I might be helpful. Now, Lewis, for many people, and we just have a couple of minutes left, uh, these conversations go by so quickly, but for many people, discipleship has got to start uh, in the home. Um, talk about that. Yeah, so um, discipleship is is uh, is something that that naturally should should start in the home, and there are times where um, that can be intimidating. Um, I would I would uh, just confess that whenever it has come to uh, even my own discipleship at home, it's one of those things that I've I've tried to give thought to, and I've I've done a lot more thinking about it probably than I have done execution of it. But but I think. Um, uh, from a big-picture standpoint, what you want to be thinking about is the fact that the Lord has given you uh, your family, and, and uh, there are some, some calls that go along with that, uh, which, again, whenever we think about discipleship, I think it's, it's uh, helpful to think that the Lord wants you to be helpful from a spiritual standpoint, not to, not to take them from A to Z. So what I want to see in, in uh, my daughter— is I would love to see a uh, discipline cultivated to where she is in the Word of God on a daily basis. And um, she's going through a book right now that, um, well, the name of it is, uh, is, is, uh, is escaping me, but it's a, it's a book by a guy named David Murray, and it's geared toward children. And I think they read five verses a day, and in a year's time, it covers the storyline of Scripture. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, picking and choosing different chunks. And then at the end of every day's reading in Scripture, there are some questions that go along with it. And so she's taking the time to meditate on what she's read. Uh, she's taking the time to work through some of the things she's read. And so that's a discipline that I want to cultivate in her life and, and hopefully a discipline that will um, – bear a lot of fruit as she grows older, as she um, comes to, to know the Lord, as she comes to be a part of the kingdom of God. And then I think the other thing, as far as discipleship in the home goes, is, is going to be leading by example. Um, and so 
those conversations that you're having with your children as they see you work through things, as they see you maybe work through uh, decision-making or maybe even some disciplinary issues with them, um, how you respond, how you take the time to maybe um, explain those things to them. Um, we want our children to be wise, and so we shouldn't assume that they're automatically going to identify the categories in which we're thinking as we talk about something or as we uh, work through an issue. And so just taking the time maybe in those disciplinary moments to contrast what it would look like to make a wise decision rather than a foolish one. Um, what that sounds like and, to me, Lewis, is uh, the expression Paul used, follow me as I follow Christ. Friends, we've been talking with Lewis Sacron, the pastor of Ripley Primitive Baptist Church in Ripley, Mississippi. Lewis, what's your church website if folks wanted to go there and uh, look around, hear some of your sermons? What's that website? RipleyPBC.com. We're also on SermonAudio.com. You look up Ripley PBC, you can find us there as well. Discipleship, following Jesus and helping others follow him as well. Lewis, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Tim. Friends, this is Timothy Guest. This is all the time we have for this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for listening. Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Navage. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen, pollution. You know the things in Memphis here. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navage report feeling healthier. Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navage part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navage.com. That's Navage.com. Or you can find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E.